We now turn to our gospel reading for today, and the gospel comes from Matthew, the 21st chapter. It starts out saying, Jesus said to the people, but if you look at the larger context of the gospel, right here he's really talking to the religious leaders, to the scribes and the elders, and then here we'll see also to the Pharisees. So Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son, which may sound strange to us, but in that day it was an honor-shame society, and so it would be expected that they would honor the son more than the servants who are sent. So he says, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The word of the Lord. This parable is a series of parables, part of a series, and it's spoken to the chief priests, the elders, and the Pharisees, to the religious leaders who have been trusted to care for God's people. Now, if you read later in the gospel, you find out that Jesus accuses these same religious leaders of putting heavy burdens, even more restrictions on the people, people who are already vulnerable. And as one scholar put it, they've made following God more burdensome instead of freeing. Now, these religious leaders, they are absolutely certain that they have the right way. They are certain that their understanding of Scripture, that their interpretation is the only way to go, and that Jesus is wrong. Now, if we step for a moment away from the Scripture, when I first moved from Minnesota out to Pennsylvania, I was driving on all these Pennsylvania roads, and the geography is very different. And I would come across signs, road signs, that I had never seen before. And I'm like, am I following it right? Am I doing it right? And it was so strange. But then as I got to be there, I got used to it, and it became normal. Well, now here I'm back in Minnesota, and I moved to lovely Purim, and the roads are very wide and less traffic than I'm used to. 
But when I come up to those, some intersections here in Purim, it freaks me out because there are no road signs. So there's these intersections, there's no stop sign, there's no yield sign, and I'm like, who is supposed to yield? Who has the right of way? And I have this fear that someone's not going to yield and will smash into me. Now, if we look at our current political climate in our nation, I get the same feeling I get at those intersections. Or even in any given situation, if we're at home or we're at work or school or even at church, those times when we are absolutely certain that we've got it right, that the way we see, are seeing things is absolutely right and the other person is wrong and they should yield to us, but they won't. And the other person is sure that they are right and we should yield to them and we won't. And so it's like we're going on this path and it, boom, just does not work out. We forget that we are placed on a different road completely. That in being called into life in Jesus Christ through our baptism, or if you haven't yet been baptized, you're looking ahead to that, we are called to a different way. Not my way, not your way, but we yield to Jesus' way. Now that can be hard to figure out how do we actually live that out. But Jesus' way sure seems to be a lot less concerned with who's got it totally right and more concerned that in all the division and the conflict that we see, that no matter what, we respond with love and care for the neighbor, whoever that neighbor might be. That no matter what disagreements we go through, that in those disagreements we act in a way that respects and affirms God's love in the other person or the other group of people. And sometimes, depending on the disagreement, that can be really hard to do. And we have to rely on the Holy Spirit's power. And sometimes all we can do is just lift that person up again and again or that group of people up again and again in prayer to God. Now, if we look more closely at the parable, the story that we heard today that Jesus tells, it is full of violence, pointless violence, kind of the things we human beings will do when left to our own devices, a violence that's all too common in our world today. So just to recap, in the parable, we have this landowner who has tended and cared for his vineyard. And then he turns it over to tenants who are to care for it faithfully. But when he sends his people and even his son to these tenants, they hurt and kill them without hesitation. So the parable ends with a question. In response to all the violence and the brokenness people have done, Jesus asks, now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And one scholar points out that Jesus doesn't give the answer. The religious leaders do. And their response is so human. It is so full of revenge, ready to hit back even harder those who have done wrong. They answer, the landowner will put those wretches to a miserable death. But if we read further in the gospel, God's response is different. The Son, Jesus Christ, is sent to God's vineyard, to God's earth. And Jesus lived in a way that worked justice for those who were most in need. He stood alongside those whom this world is most ready to push to the side, those whom this world is most ready to judge. And because this is the way he walks, this is the road he's on, 
The powers that be can't take it, and he's unjustly arrested and put to death. And yet God's response to the death of the son is not revenge. Instead, God moves into the place of human brokenness and death and hurt. God moves into that space and creates life and resurrection. And that is what our God keeps doing for us all the time. It can be really hard to see, especially right now. But in all the big and the little losses that we face, God enters the space of that brokenness to bring life and then calls each one of us, his church, to yield to his way, to live in ways that are life-giving even in the midst of the division and conflict we see. Now, if we jump to our Philippians reading that was for today, which we don't get to read, but I'd encourage you to check it out later. In Philippians 3, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he lists all the things that he has accomplished, things from his past that have helped him to see himself as successful, things that he's done that make him know he's made it. And he says that in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus as Lord, all those things are rubbish. They are loss. But what he holds on to is the resurrected life that God is working for him. And what he says is not that I've already obtained it or reached it, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul looks to his past and he names it. He acknowledges it, the good and the ugly. And we're called to do the same, to look to our past, whether it's as individuals, as a church, or as a nation, to look at the past, to name it, to know the good and the ugly, but then to see that that does not define who we are into the future. What defines us is our Lord Jesus Christ and the identity we have as his own. As we all get to go into the future together, as I get to be called into ministry alongside you now, we press on together in the midst of all the stuff we see going on in our lives or in this world. We press on to live out that new life that we have in Jesus Christ. And I have already seen that in countless ways just in the last month in how you live out this good news for the sake of each other and for the sake of this larger community. And I'm excited to get to see and name all the ways we will keep doing that together in the years ahead. Amen.